Hey, thanks for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can head to our website at RenewalChicago.com. I pray today that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. Galatians chapter 4, that's what will be verses 21 through 31 this morning. 21 through 31 this morning, and we've been walking through Galatians because we do want to come back or understand what does it mean to really believe the gospel of Jesus Christ? What is the gospel of Jesus Christ? And it's through that right understanding that we live our lives. Galatians chapter 4, verse 21 through 31. If you got it, go ahead and say, got it. And if you're able, go ahead and stand to your feet with me as we read the word of God together. Thank y'all for being faithful in this wintry Sunday. Y'all ready for this? No, I mean the winner. You ready? (laughs) Michelle, you was ready. I'm like, I'm not ready for this. Uh, Galatians chapter 4, verse 21. Here now, the reading of God's word says, Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and one by a free woman. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh while the son of the free woman was born through promise. Now, this may be interpreted allegorically. These women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai bearing children from slavery. She is Hagar. Now, Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother, for it is written, Rejoice, O barren one who does not bear. Break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. Now you, brothers, like Isaac, are children of a promise. But just as at the time he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the spirit, so also it is now. But what does the scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. So, brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. Very word of God. Amen. Today, I want to preach on the topic, choose freedom. Choose freedom. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this morning. We give you thanks for your goodness. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you are here with us. God, we do ask that this morning that you fill this place with your spirit. I ask that you hide me behind your cross so that you may be lifted up this morning. Decrease me, Lord, so that you may increase in this place. Get glory in this place, and it's the name of Jesus that we all said together, amen, amen. You can be seated. Friends, have you ever done something over and over again 
And you might find yourself doing it right. Finally, like you, you get to a point where you're doing it the right way. But then you find yourself going back to doing that same thing the wrong way again. You ever done that before? You, done, you figured it out. You, you, you've been doing it the right way. And then all of a sudden, you, you just go back to doing it the wrong way again. Y'all been there? Anybody remember writing class in grammar school, you know, where you, you had to learn to write? Um, we're going to have to practice this. Everybody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Say amen. amen. All right. I got to make sure y'all can talk to me when I'm talking to you. So y'all remember grammar school? Yes. All right. You remember when you had to learn how to write? Yes. Okay. And the teacher shows you how to write your letters. And you then progress to sentences. And then you learn to write in cursive. And you do this about every year from pre-K up into might maybe third grade. You're learning to write. And when you start out, you're trying to write all neat and you're writing small. You're, you're trying really hard and you're learning to do this and you're taking your time because at the time you don't quite know how to write correctly. And then you get this thing down and you, you're great at it. You're, you're mastering your writing. Handwriting is nice and neat. And then something happens. You learn to use a computer. <laughs> now you start typing. And then you become an adult. And now your once beautiful handwriting is ugly as can be. I mean, have y'all ever taken a look at your handwriting? It's probably, I mean, just uh, I, doctors. I'm going to make fun of y'all for a minute because I know you're in here. Like, what is the line as you're, when you're signing something? Like, what is that? That's not a signature. I mean, all of us, I mean, you look at your handwriting, you're like, man, I, I used to write really nice, and now it's ugly. Unless you like lettering like my wife, and you're practicing this thing. But here's the point. Why is it ugly? Because we've lost the practice of writing. We text and we type. And listen to me, here, here it is. In life, when we're learning Something, if we don't rehearse it, if we don't practice it, and maybe even memorize whatever it is, we will lose it. We'll lose it. And Paul here in the text, once again, he's trying to bring us and the Galatian church back to this understanding of what it means to be a believer. He says there's freedom and there's approval through your faith, but yet the world tells you something different. It tells us that freedom and approval is through what we do with our hands, is through our works. Listen, family, unless we stay rooted and grounded in the understanding of being saved by God's grace through Jesus' work on the cross, if we don't stay there, if we don't continue to rehearse and memorize this understanding, we will always revert backwards to working by, with our hands and, and achieving our own works-based righteousness and our own approval in what we do, and we'll miss the freedom in Jesus. So here's what I want to tell you today. Choose freedom. Choose freedom. That's what I want to talk about briefly this morning, and we can go out and fight the salt trucks afterwards. As we jump into the text... Paul, again, here is telling the Galatian church over and over and over again, there is no new gospel message. 
There's no means, new means of salvation. It's only by God's grace through faith in Jesus and what he's done for you that you are saved. And why is he doing this over and over again? If you're new with us, he's saying this over and over again because there's a new message that has entered the land. One that says that if you work hard enough and you do this and you do that, or if you just follow the law of the land, you can be saved. It's all based off of what you bring to the table. And Paul's like, no, that's not the gospel. God's worked on your behalf. Through Jesus, and you believe that's how you're saved. It's not what you do. And so Paul in our text, once again, he's bringing them back to this space. And in chapter 3, as he moves forward, Paul says that you are sons and daughters of a promise. A promise that was given through Abraham as the father of the faith that will be fulfilled through his offspring. Now, in chapter 3, he uses the word offspring, which, if you remember, is singular. So when he says this offspring word, he's not necessarily talking about his son that will come through him. It, he's talking about one that will come after him, through, the, which will be the Messiah. He's talking about Jesus. So this one person is singular. Now, this promise was given 430 years before the law was given to Moses in Exodus. So what Paul is trying to say is that as much as you want to follow the law, as much as you think your right living or moralistic living will save you, it won't. This promise came way before that. Paul says the law was just a guide for you. It was to tutor you on the expectations of holiness that God requires. And by you trying to fulfill it, you would see that in your inability or you're not able to perform and do what he's said you do. And in that, you'll be like, well, I need somebody to help me. I need a savior. And so the text says that it was meant to guide you. The law was to guide you to Christ. It was never meant to save you. I mean, when you go back and you read, we talked about this a bit. When you go back to the Old Testament and you read the law, I mean, it, it binds you in on all sides. It, it shows you how imperfect you actually are. Makes your head hurt reading all that. Like, there's no way I can be this perfect. It shows us our need for a Savior. So Paul is saying the law was never meant to save you. But instead, it was to point you to the promised Messiah who would fulfill the law. The promise that was told before the law to Abraham, who is Jesus, he saves you. And through faith in him, not only are you saved, but you now get to share in the inheritance that was just meant for Jesus. You're not only saved, but now you're a co-heir. Y'all, that changes everything. It changes the way you live your life. As I told you a couple weeks ago, when you understand that as a Christian, you're not only saved from eternal damnation, but you're a co-heir that's clothed in Jesus. You're covered by Jesus. God looks at you and he says, well done, not based off of what you do, but based off of what Jesus does. Y'all, that changes your life. It changes the way you live. Paul saying, stop reverting backwards. Stop going back to living based off of what you bring to the table and the works of your hands. No, don't go back there. Keep your faith in Jesus. Live as a son or daughter of the Most High God. The law in your own works held you captive. But when you live as a child of God, there's freedom. There's freedom. 
And so today, Paul, he continues with this train of thought in our text, and one might ask, well, why does he keep doing this? Why does he keep coming back to the same thing? Listen, and we've said this before, because we live, this is why we live in a culture or a world that, that, that gives us one pervasive message, it says that you get things or you gain approval by how you work. Everything is, is based off of how much you achieve. You get happiness, you get joy, you get peace and fulfillment by what you do. It, it, the world tells us that's not found in Jesus. Culture tells you it's not found in Jesus. That's found in what you do, which means that to be a Christian, one has to fight to stay a believer. One has to continually stay in community and rooted and grounded in the word of God, being constantly reminded of what it means to be a Christian. Because everything around you tells you something else. So Paul continues here. Look at it with me in verse 21. He says, you who are under the law. What he means is you who are relying on the law for your own right standing in God. He's looking at those who are trying to perform and live by the law. And he's saying, I, I know you're trying to live by your own strength, but I'm trying to tell you that's not going to save you. you you're not going to make it through this life just doing it your own way by your own strength. And so to further illustrate this, he, he uses two Old Testament examples in Hagar and Sarah. One had a child that's born through sheer will and one born of a promise. Now, let me break this down a little bit because I don't want to assume that all of us know the story of Abraham, Hagar, and Sarah. My man, had, Abraham, had two uh, sons by two different women. Now, the question is why? Genesis 12 and again in Genesis 15, God promised Abraham an heir and a land that they would dwell in. Now, at the time, Abraham and Sarah, they're, they're old, like old, old, and and beyond childbearing years, and, and Sarah is barren, meaning she couldn't have children, which in ancient world, this was, uh, this, this was where a woman's worth was, it was wrapped up in her ability to be able to have children. And so they, she's looked down upon, considered disgraceful in, in culture at the time. She's no good to many people. Now, listen to me. This is not how God viewed women back then, and it's not how he views women today. As I told you a couple weeks ago, men and women are created equal in God's sight, but in culture, and sadly, even in our culture, in many ways, a woman's worth is, is simply relegated because of her inability to bear children or be married, meaning she's considered lower than, she's considered less than. And it's another sermon for another day, but I need you to hear me when I say this. It's very important for us to know what God thinks about us as opposed to what the world or others say about us. Let me say it again because some of y'all missed it. It's very important for you to know what God thinks about you as opposed to what the world or other people say about you. You need to know that you are created in the image of God that you are his, he calls you his own, that when you believe, he will never leave you nor forsake you, that he cares for you. The Bible tells us that he knows every little hair on your head, meaning that you are fearfully and wonderfully made special in his image. You need to know what God thinks about you as opposed to what the world 
and other people say about you. But Sarah here, she's at the time, she's caught up in what the culture is saying about her and her womanhood. And she says, Abraham, I'm old. Can't have no baby. Take, take my slave, my servant woman. Go ahead and do what you do. Have a baby. Now, at the time, this is perfectly legal. If the woman couldn't bear a child, you can take the servant woman and have a baby with them. But listen, this is not what God told Abraham and Sarah to do. So in their lack of faith and trust in God's word, Abraham sleeps with Hagar and has Ishmael and begins to deal with all types of baby mama drama. <laughs> Hagar and her son feel mistreated now, mistreated. Sarah feels ridiculed by Hagar and her son. All of this mess because they trusted their own way instead of God's way. Problems. Problems. Then 14 years later, although they didn't hold on, God never forgot his promise. He gives Abraham a son at the age of 100. I believe Sarah's around 99, still barren at the time, past childbearing years, and they have a son. He holds on to his promise and does it in only a way that God can do so that God gets all the credit instead of them. And Paul sums this up in verse 23 and says, but the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through promise. Here's the point. By sleeping with Hagar, Abraham chose to rely on his own capabilities. Now understand, he didn't have a child. So it was still in faith to sleep with Hagar. Just not faith in God. It was faith in himself. I know I'm in someone's neighborhood. See, sometimes we say we have faith in God, but the faith that we're talking about is not trusting God to move in only a way that God can move in his own timing. The faith that we're saying we have, I got faith in God. We're, we're trusting God to move in a way that we want him to move, when we want him to move, how we want him to move. Y'all, that ain't faith. That leads to self-righteousness because it's not about God. It's about you. I know I'm on some toes. Again, this was totally legal, though. To do this with your servant, if your wife is barren, but he, instead of waiting, trusted in himself, not in God, and he creates a problem where war still goes on today over this birthright with Ishmael traditionally being the father of Arab tribes. And in verse 25, you see that. And Isaac being the father of the Jews. This still goes on today. Drama. War. Sarah becomes jealous of Hagar, although she told Abraham to do this. Y'all, isn't it funny how in, in our haste and our will to make something happen when we wanted to, it almost never works out for our good? I mean, I got a few amens, but some of y'all not when Think about this for a minute. I mean, let, me, let me bring it to your neighborhood. You got that promotion that you've always wanted, 
but yet you lost time with your family. You're, you're tired from all the extra work. You lose some friends that, that you had because now you're climbing this parenthetical ladder of your corporation and you're leaving everybody behind. And so now that you got this good raise and you got this great job that you've always dreamed about, you're more miserable and tired than ever before. Listen, listen to me. True faith is not only the ability to believe God will do what he said he'll do, but it's also the ability to wait on God to do it. Impatience gets us into all types of trouble. And listen, it may not be the physical downfall that you see in other people's lives all the time, but internally, it might mess you up. Don't miss this jealousy here with, with Sarah, what she's feeling. This wasn't necessarily an external downfall. No, no. But her heart is more messed up than it was before. And can you imagine what Abraham feels like right now? You got one baby mama over here upset at you, and she works for your barren wife who is now mad at you because she has a baby after she told you to sleep with her and she's mad at you because you did it? I mean, the quandary here, y'all, it, it is outrageous. But listen to me. This is why we're not to trust and just have faith in ourselves. We're too small and we can't see we, we can't possibly know everything that's in front of us, but God does. God does. Your faith has to be in someone that's bigger than you can wrap your mind around, bigger than you can hold within your hands. If you can wrap your mind or your hands around what you have or who you have faith in, that's not faith. I mean, God, God's uncontainable. We are finite He's infinite, so therefore our faith can't be boxed in by our finite minds. Friends, hear me, hear me. Don't trust, don't, don't limit God. Don't limit God and what he can do by trying to perform and reason your way through life. He made you. You didn't make yourself. He made you. So how are we going to question or reason the maker? Paul says in Romans 9, and we don't like to hear this because we think we know everything. Paul says in Romans 9, what, what's molded can't question the molder. How does the clay question the potter? He's telling you, have faith. It's bigger than what you can wrap your mind around. So what we see in the text with Abraham is that when we fail to rely on God and we make ourselves our own saviors, the results are chaos. Havoc in our lives. And it's not merely around us or to us, but it may be happening internally, relationally, spiritually, and psychologically. But let me lean into this because even in the midst of the chaos, here's the problem. This is why we still struggle trying to trust God. You may have missed it. Both women have a son, which means that you can still achieve and not have true faith. Yeah. Good. Ooh. 
God can give grace to the fertile Hagar and give grace to the barren Sarah. But one comes with a whole heap of problems and pressure, and the other one comes with freedom. Hence, one is much better than the other. And not only that, but if you are the, so to say, fertile Hagar, where you do everything in your own power and you're able to make all of these things work, then you will never give God the glory that he deserves because deep down in you, even if you say you believe, you still believe that your life is up to you. I can make things happen without him. But, we for, but what we forget here is that even if we make something happen, it comes with all the responsibility. You, I, I, made it, I made it happen. I got to do all of this now in my own strength. Now, that is way too heavy for you. That's where the weight is. That's where it gets hard. Now I got to keep this thing going. You're now left carrying burdens that you as the creation were never created to carry. Look at Abraham's situation. I mean, nobody in their right mind wakes up in the morning and is like, yeah, I want all this baby mama drama. I want one over here chirping in my ear. I want another one over here. I want them yelling at me all this time. Yeah, that's what I want in my life. I live for th- No, no. No, nobody wakes up and says, that's what I want. Friends, but here's the problem. We don't learn from Abraham and Sarah because we end up doing the same thing. Because our world only teaches us one way, which is the way of performance, the way of achievement through your works which makes us our own personal saviors, but also it makes us the one who has to hold it all together. That's too heavy. We're carrying weights that we were never supposed to carry, and this is the reason most of us are overworked and more depressed than ever before. I mean, the birth of Ishmael, it symbolizes what happens when we depend on ourselves to know what's right, and we just keep pushing and pushing through life our own way. But on the other hand, the birth of Isaac comes from a promise that has nothing to do with Abraham and Sarah. Look, in the text, Abraham is old, Sarah is barren, unable to have kids. Listen to me. When you depend on God to work by faith, then it's not up to you to make it happen. Nor is it ultimately up to you to hold it all together. You know what that gives you? Freedom. Freedom. Because it's not based off of what you do. I mean, the other week I told you guys, I, I, I was walking. I told some of my men this because they're, they're in a discipleship group with me that I lead. And I, I was trying to help them understand this type of freedom. And I said, man, I need y'all to think about Adam. Think about Adam back in the garden. Think about it. Before the fall, Genesis 2, God put Adam in the garden. And he says, I want you to work it. And I want you to name all the animals. Adam, I want you to to work the land and name all the animals. And it tells us in Genesis 2 that all the vegetation and the plants and trees, they hadn't even sprouted up yet. And so Adam is having to weed and feed the land, till the ground. And on top of that, he's having to name all of the animals. 
He's having name all of the animals. I'm going to say it again because y'all missing it. He's naming all of the animals. We're still figuring out species today. He was by himself. No help at all. And we commonly just read over it like it's a story. And we don't really pay attention. But when you think about it, ain't none of us ever had a job that hard. In the garden, no help. You caring for all of the land. Caring for all of the animals. And you got to name all of them and tend to everything correctly. I mean, who comes up with the name hippopotamus? Rhinoceros, and some believe that all the dinosaurs were there. You got to name the T-Rex, Tyrannosaurus, Rex, and Brontosaurus, and all. Who, I mean, he may not have named them that, but he gave names to all of them. Who does that? Y'all, that's hard. But listen, Adam never complains once. Never asked for a wife, friends. In fact, he's at the most peaceful place a person can ever be. Why? Because he's utterly dependent on God. All he knows are the things of God. And he exists in a garden, watch this, that he did not make. He's naming animals he knows he didn't make. And God is with him in the garden. So although he has nobody else, he has God with him, which is far better and greater than anything else he could ever ask for or need. So he hear me. He experiences the freedom of sonship and being with God, a freedom to work and it not be contingent upon how good you do or how you perform, a freedom from fear because he's walking around naked with lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. And ain't afraid of nothing. Y'all getting the picture with this thing? This is the opposite, hear me, of what most of us feel as Christians or people, period. We feel fear. We feel anxiety. We are worried. We're depressed. We don't feel peace. We don't experience peace in our lives because even if we say Jesus has saved me and he did this in my life, deep down within our hearts, we believe that our well-being is still up to us. Paul is trying to use Sarah and Hagar to say one of these paths leads to destruction and one of these leads to freedom because it's not up to you. Which path will you choose? He's saying, give up the reins and trust God. Again, listen to me. This does not mean don't work. It just means know the position from which you work from now. You are a child of the most high God when you believe, who created everything, which means as an image bearer, God worked hard on you first to create you in his image from head to toe, which means that now as an image bearer, I can work hard because he worked hard first. But you always got to remember that it's God that has worked hard and created me and everything around me, which means that as I work hard, I don't have to hold it all together. He still holds all of this in the palm of his hands. Amen. My life, the results and outcome 
It's up to him, not me. Listen, this understanding relieves pressure. It removes the pain of failure and the arrogance of success. It removes relational problems because you can now love knowing if all goes wrong, I'm still complete and fully loved by God. When you believe by faith your life is no longer up to you, you now experience unprecedented freedom just to be. You can live freely as a child because you are a child of the Most High God. And if you're looking at me funny because this sounds like it makes no sense, remember a couple weeks ago I told you this makes no sense because it's a foreign freedom. It's not something that's taught to us every day. Everything in this world, including your own family, tells you that success is up to how well you do in life, how hard you work and what you do. But family, that's not true for the believer. God is the ruler of everything, not you. He is the captain of your soul, not you. Working hard by yourself based off of what you bring to the table, listen to me, it may yield a seed. You may achieve something but it will come with a mass amount of baggage. But if you trust in the Lord, not only will you yield seed, but the result will not be based off of what you did or being, it, will not, it will not be based on you holding it together. So yet, I'm trusting in him. He does for me, but then he also holds it together. Y'all, that's freedom. Friends, we have to fight for this understanding. We have to fight to remain here in this understanding, believing it, because there will always be someone or something in your life that tries to tear you down. I mean, you come back to this text, verse 29. Ishmael, born of the same father, starts ridiculing Isaac. Isaac ain't done nothing to him. But he's trying to tear down his own brother. This tells us there will always be something or someone in your life that's trying to steal your joy, your freedom that you have in Jesus, even your closest to kin. Coming off Thanksgiving, some of y'all might be there right now. Let me help somebody. Y'all missing this. Persecution, listen to me. Persecution doesn't just come from non-believers. The worst persecution comes from those who believe that their way is the right way. Believers that say they believe in Jesus, but then they tell you, well, God ain't going to work in your life unless you start doing this right and you're doing this and you do this and that. You got to bring your, you got to do this first for God to work. I mean, the, the Jews, I mean, they thought they were right. We, we're just, we're doing what God wants us to do. And they killed Jesus. Listen, what, I, what I'm trying to get at is that believers have to fight to remain in the understanding that my life is not in my hands, but it's in God's. And that's a really good thing. So let me ask you, what are you holding on to right now that's not yours to hold on to? What battle, what trial do you need to hand over to the Lord right now? What area do you need to trust him in? Maybe it's a sin struggle, struggle that you've been struggling with for a while. Maybe it's depression. 
job security, identity. Or maybe you, you worked so hard to get to a certain place in your life where you thought you wanted to be, but you're more tired and worried than ever before. Maybe you need to say, Lord, I'm, I'm done. I'm done with this, Lord. I'm done just trying to do everything my way. I'm here. I trust you, Lord. Do with me what you want with my life. Make me the man or the woman that you want me to be. Use me for your glory. Take me where you want to take me. Help me unravel the mess that I've made with my life. I know to some it looks great, but I'm dying on the inside. Help me experience the freedom of being your child. Listen, because I don't want you to miss this. It might, it might mess you up a little bit. If we can attain something on our own or in our own strength, although it may be great, by doing so in your own strength, you might have just shortchanged God. Mm. Meaning to achieve by yourself is too small. Now, this doesn't mean he didn't give you an intellect. This doesn't mean he didn't give you uh, the, the, the will to make things happen. But it's just that. He gave you the intellect. He gave you the will. So even if you made it happen, you, wouldn't, you didn't do it in the first place. But here's what I want you to get. To achieve what God wants you to achieve takes faith because it's far too big for you. You don't believe me, though, do you? Look at the text. God gives a hundred-year-old man and a barren woman a baby. I know that's not enough. We've been talking about that all morning. So look at the Bible. Moses, God does ten plagues through him. And then after that, my man Moses sticks his staff in the middle of the Red Sea and parts that joint. And thousands of Israelites walk across the bottom of the Red Sea on dry land, freedom from persecution. But I know that's not enough. So my man, my man David takes a, takes a slingshot and a stone and kills a giant. Daniel sleeps with the lions all night long and they wake up and they see him petting them joints. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego get thrown into the fiery furnace, and they see them now dancing around in the middle of the fiery furnace. But I know that's not enough either. So go to the New Testament, and then you get the Savior of the world born through a virgin? Y'all, look, look. God has a track record, a track record of doing the unimaginable when we trust him. I know I got a few amens because some of y'all are like, man, that's the Bible. So let me bring it to your neighborhood a little bit. Some of you have lost jobs that you've worked so hard for, and then you decided, I'm going to trust God. And then a door opens up in only a way that God could do, and it may not be the money that you wanted, but you're more happy. Your life it just feels better than ever before, and you would have never imagined this for yourself. Some of you have found a significant other. You married or on your way to be married. You tried all the dating sites and everything, but then when you look back at how this thing came together, it was only by a move of God that we're together. 
Y'all ain't amen, but I've seen y'all spouses, and I'm, I'm trying to tell you it was a move of God. It was a move of God. Some of us can look back over our lives and say that my mere existence right now today is only because I trusted Jesus. I could go on and on and on and on, but my point is that when we trust God, we see him move in ways that we could never imagine. Listen, experiencing the freedom that God gives through faith in him is good. It's, it's fun. But if I'm honest, it's also frightening. Because in order to experience this freedom, you got to let go of control of the will of your life. And yeah, we don't like to let go of the will. We struggle with that thing. I, this is my will, God. No, no. Let go. And if biblical history serves us right, and I believe everything in the Bible is correct, then what we see is that God has never let his people down. He's been the same God yesterday, the same God today, and he'll be the same giving and loving God tomorrow. What this means is that introspectively, we need to take a deep look at some of those barren places in our lives and trust God for fulfillment. For some of you, this message might be hitting home because it's the barren womb that you need to trust God for. For some of you, it's a barren dream that hasn't come to fruition. Some of you, it's a barren life, a love life, a barren friendship. Where is it in your life that you need to trust God more and believe that he's a good God that cares for his children? You got two sons. Two sons born, one of a slave and one of a free woman. Sarah's seed here leads to freedom, and one leads to slavery or legalism. Ishmael's born through works, and he'll live by works. Isaac's born of a promise based on God's work. Paul says Sarah is our mother, talking about believers because Jesus came through the lineage of Isaac. Believers are children of freedom, adopted as heirs of the Most High. Children of a promise through Jesus' work on the cross again, based off of nothing that we've done. We're saved by God's grace and Jesus' work on the cross, which means that if we were saved by his work, then it's going to be his work that keeps us. We didn't save ourselves, so in order to keep walking in this life, we got to stay utterly dependent on Jesus. You didn't save yourself. You ain't going to keep yourself from falling. It's all dependent on us keeping our eyes on Jesus. Now, I know we keep reiterating this every week. And the reason, again, is because I said earlier, the world and everything around you tells you the opposite. Work and achieve solely by what you do. Some of you, when you walk out these doors and you open up your phone, that's what's going to hit you in the face. Somebody's going to call you today and tell you something different. Tomorrow you're going to wake up and you're going to have that same thought. I got to go do this. I got to go do this. No, we get to do these things because God has allowed us to do it. Change your language a little bit. What does it look like to work from a place from approval knowing that I'm fully loved by God. 
there's freedom in that, knowing that he holds it all together, not me. But the truth is we're going to be hit with this when we walk out. And we'll begin to trust in ourselves. And sadly, it's going to take us right back to the same place that we were before we came in this place. Sad, depressed, overworked, anxious about everything. Carrying weights that we were never meant to carry. Let me end the same way I started. Friends, choose freedom. Choose freedom. In other words, choose Jesus. Choose Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you. I thank you for your word. I thank you for truth. I thank you for your love and your grace. Thank you that the word is sharper than a double-edged sword, able to pierce in our hearts and shape and mold it, but also to protect us from the enemy. God, I, I thank you for your love and your grace that keeps us. Thank you for hard messages in the sense of this is true for all of us, God. I think we need to come to you because we all struggle with this every day, multiple times a day. Because this is the message that's fed to us. Do this, do that, and you'll be accepted. Do this and do that, and you'll be approved. And the reality is that as a Christian, we're approved based off of nothing that we've done. In fact, if it was based off of what we did, God, we, would, we don't deserve heaven. We deserve distance from you. We don't deserve to be with you, but yet you worked on our behalf through your son, Jesus. And the Bible says in Romans 10, 9, when we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that we believe that he died on the cross, was buried and rose from the grave, based off our confession and belief in our heart, we are saved. So God, I don't want to assume that everybody here under the sound of my voice has accepted Jesus this morning. And I want to believe that through your word and through preaching it, God, that you are moving in the hearts of your people. Maybe somebody walked in here and said they thought they believed in Jesus, but yet this is the first time they heard of the love and the mercy of God. That it's not based off of what you do. You don't have to jump through hoops to get to God. That you're, you're there, you're waiting, you're ready. You're still in the business of saving. God, there's some of us in here that need to accept you for the first time, and there's some of us that have been far off and been trusting in our hands and what we do. We believe in you, but we've gotten, we went backwards, God, and we need to come back and ask for forgiveness. And I thank you that your word in 1 John 1, 9 says that you're just and righteous to forgive, that you accept us. And then John 10 says there's nothing that can snatch us out of the palm of your hands. You're not letting go of us. You're continually protecting and keeping us, God. God, I pray that from that place and that understanding, we would learn to walk in freedom as your children. That we'd fight to stay and remain in this understanding of what it means to be a child of God. That we'd walk with joy and smiles on our face in the midst of the pain of this world. Because we know what lies ahead with you forever and eternity. Lord, we thank you pray all these things in the name of Jesus and everyone said together.
Thanks again for tuning into our podcast today. I pray that it was a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. I look to see you at one of our services at 9 or 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Take care. God bless you.